0: Exodus chapter 33, verse 13, I want to read a couple verses of Scripture, something the Lord has been dealing with me about and talking with me about, and, and I wonder if I could not just talk to your heart for a few minutes tonight and, uh, and just exhort you. I don't know if you would call this a lesson or uh, it's probably more of an exhortation, but I want, I want to exhort you. I want to encourage somebody, to inspire somebody to walk in the Spirit. Uh, during this time. Exodus 33, 13 says this, this is God, uh, uh, or Moses speaking to God uh, about going into the promised land, and he says this, he says, now therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways, that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. See, what had happened is Moses and God were talking about the rebellion of, of Israel, and God tells Moses that I, I will send you into the promised land. I will send an angel before you, but because this people uh, have been stubborn and rebellious, I'll, I'll let you have the promised land, but I won't go with you. But Moses says, Lord, these are your people, and if I found favor in your sight, show me your ways And consider that this nation is your people. You saved us. You brought us out. And he says this. He said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. God changes his mind in his heart and he says, okay, Moses, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And listen to what Moses says. Moses says, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. If your presence won't go with me, I don't want to go. And so tonight, I want to talk to you about how to live in a harsh environment. That's what I really want to talk to you about tonight. Can we just pray together and ask the word to pierce our heart? Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the promises and the promised land that you've laid before us. And I pray, God, that you would give us wisdom, strength, and courage to live during this time, during this harsh time, to be uh, a Christian. God, I pray that you would give us wisdom and strength to walk through it and to learn to thrive in a place, God, where it is difficult sometimes to live. In the name of Jesus, we praise you and we thank you. Amen. You can be seated. I know you are already seated on your couch, but I just wanted to say that. Amen. Uh, A few years ago, I made a grave mistake. I was about to board a flight, and uh, I was looking for something to do on the flight, so I downloaded a new book to read on my Kindle app on my iPad that was called The Survivor's Club. The Survivor's Club is a book by Ben Sherwood about why some people survive disasters and others do not. It's filled with stories and insights of people who survive shipwrecks, automobile accidents, near drownings, explosions, and yes, of course, you guessed it, airplane crashes. As I settled near uh, down into my seat near the back of the plane, I opened up the book and I began to read, and of course, there's a chapter in the book about airplane crashes, so I turned to that chapter because it seemed so relevant at that time, and the the chapter began to unfold all these statistics about plane crashes, and where you should sit if you want the best chance to survive and the likelihood of even living through a plane crash, which thankfully is higher than you would think it is. But I want to say this, that it was all hitting a little too close to home as we began to taxi down the runway because it's really easy to forget how precarious a thing it is to fly in an airplane. If someone asks you, to pay them three or $400 to be strapped to a metal tube that is being propelled by massive jets and thrown across the sky at four or 500 miles an hour, you might say that they were crazy for asking you to pay for that. But the reality is that people fly across the nation every single day with relative ease. For many, it is downright routine. Sure, you have the occasional person who is crying out to God, or breathing in a paper bag, but for the most part, it's really routine and safe to fly on an airplane. But but why? How can such a dangerous sounding thing become safe enough that millions of people will do it? It's because of what you take with you into the sky. An airplane is more than just a metal tube with jet propellers. It is a complex set of systems designed to transport you safely and efficiently through an extremely harsh environment. Without those systems in place, you wouldn't be able to breathe. You would freeze to death. Gravity would overcome you, and you would fall like a rock from the sky to your certain death. Because, understand this, the secret to surviving a harsh environment is that it's what you take with you that enables you to live through things that should have killed you. It's, it's not where you are, it's what you have with you. It's what you take with you that allows you to thrive in harsh environments. So when you go to the desert, you take water with you. When you go diving in deep water, you take air with you. When you go to icy cold places, you take warmth with you in the form of a coat or in materials to make a fire. And and so survival depends on what you've brought with you. It's things that the environment doesn't have that come from a different place. You have to bring it from where you are into the place where you're going. Uh, When I was just... A kid, I remember one of my favorite gifts of all time came uh, from my papa, our Bishop Chance. And uh, he, he brought me and my brother uh, the same gift, but we both loved it. And it was a serrated survival knife with a built-in compass on the end. Maybe you've seen a knife like this or you remember having one yourself. The cap of the hilt held a compass, but when you twisted it off. It held a small packet of survival uh, items small, uh, Several small matches were inside of there There were fishing hooks and, and fishing line There were a few needles and uh, a flint to hit the uh, knife against To make sparks so that if you needed to make a fire And, and you were out of the matches you could still make a fire and, and I was 8 or 9 at the time I'm not really sure where Papaw thought I was going to be going that I would need a survival knife. But I know this. I felt ready to survive whatever the world threw at me. I could stab. I could cut. I could catch. I could sew or set ablaze. Anything that got away uh, uh, in the way of my survival. And so um, the makers of that knife understood what I'm talking about today. Is that there are times that you find yourself in Difficult situations where you need to survive because you are in a place that doesn't provide you with what you need to make it through. It doesn't have for you what you need in order to survive. And so what you have to do is you have to bring something with you in order to survive an environment like that. Doesn't that really describe where we are living at today perfectly? Because as Christians, we are living in a harsh environment. Our world is filled with fear and death, hate and division, sickness and symptoms. Have you noticed lately that every time somebody coughs or that you cough, or if you stand up too fast and you feel dizzy, or if you get a headache, everything is COVID-19. That's COVID-19. COVID-19. I coughed. I sniffled. I breathed a little too uh, shallow. Every little thing looks like fear and disease and sickness. And listen, we're living in a culture right now where it's easy for faith to die. It's not easy for faith to live here. It's not easy for our souls to thrive here. At times it could easily be described like the words of the ten spies who saw the incredible opportunities of the promised land, but they also saw the immense dangers. And when they saw the promised land, they said, it is a land that devours its inhabitants. They looked at the land and reported that there was a people that were stronger than they were, that there were walled cities, and that there were giants that lived in the land. It was a harsh environment, a place where, Where they could easily lose themselves. What a description. It is a land that devours its inhabitants. A place that devours those who live there. And listen, it sounds a lot like the world we are living in right now. It's a place that devours faith. It's a place that thrives on fear. And listen, in this day and hour, it is easy to be swallowed up by the spirit of the world. It's easy to be drawn into empty pursuits of money and of wealth and of fame. It's easy to follow after political strife and tensions that were designed to breed division in our hearts. It's easy to let the fear of a worldwide pandemic drive us into not living at all and huddling in fear. We live in a world that has brought sin to our fingertips. Temptations are just a few taps away. And listen, we live in a world that is not hospitable to the life of faith. We live in a world that challenges our faith. Constant objections and arguments can cause us to lose faith in a world like this. Have you noticed that one of the problems of living in today's world is we know everybody's opinion about everything? Can I get an amen? Social media has put at our fingertips folks that we never would have fought with, never would have argued with. They were just some periphery acquaintance that we met a couple times, but now everybody's fighting online and arguing and, People are attacking your faith and attacking your ideas. And and listen, we live in a world that is a harsh environment for faith to live in. We live in a world that devours our kids. The things of God are painted to them as antiquated and outdated. And How are we supposed to raise God-fearing kids in a land like this? It's a land that devours its inhabitants. And everything in this day and age is being turned on its head and reimagined and nothing seems sure. Postmodern thinking has colored the world with an ambiguity that elevates the creature above the creator. And, And no longer are things black and white, but everything is painted in shades of gray. People are confused. They are afraid. They are alone. They are broke. They are angry. They are resentful. They are bitter. They are hurt. And because they are hurt, they are now hurting others. They are striving for things they cannot find or attain. And and people are pointing their life in all the wrong directions at all the wrong things. And to put it simply, it is an inhospitable environment for the soul. The world that we live in right now is an inhospitable environment, an unfriendly environment for faith. But listen to this, just like those people who saw the land of promise and that it was a land that devoured its inhabitants, it may be a harsh environment, but it's the land that God sent us to. It may be a harsh place, but it's precisely where God placed us. We are here right now for a purpose. God didn't call us somewhere else. He called us here. It's a harsh place, but we can survive here. We can conquer here. We can see God's will, God's plan unfold here. The spies in Numbers 13 saw the good and the bad in the land, but their fear was larger than their faith. So they lived in fear and missed the promises of God for them that were in that harsh environment because mankind listen mankind thrives in adversity and and god never said that he would just automatically and easily give us everything that he promised us. Whenever God gives us a promise, it comes with a process. And and so God lays this land before Joshua and his generation and Moses and his generation. And there are giants in the land, but guess what? There are also vineyards and houses. Uh, And there is a place that they can thrive in the land. But they have to learn to survive in a place that's harsh to their faith. This, right here, right now, is the place that God has called this modern church to. He puts you right here, right now, and you can survive it. Mankind has done some of his most incredible and iconic things in a harsh environment. One that really stands out to me is the lunar landing uh, of Neil Armstrong. On July 20th, 1969, Neil Armstrong stepped out of the Lunar Module Eagle and climbed down the ladder to become the first man to walk on the moon. His iconic statement still resonates today. Many of you are already probably quoting it in your minds that that's one small step for a man, one giant leap for mankind. It was an incredible moment. And so incredible that it's easy to forget that it happened in an incredibly hostile environment. The reality is that without his AL-7 spacesuit, Neil Armstrong would have died in that place in mere moments. The principal functions of his spacesuit are to create a pressurized, oxygenated atmosphere for astronauts. And to protect them from ultraviolet rays and extreme temperatures. Without it, a spacewalker would asphyxiate from the lack of breathable air and suffer from ebolism, which is a, a reduction in pressure that causes the boiling point of bodily fluids to decrease below the body's normal temperature. So at most, an astronaut without his suit would last about 15 seconds before losing consciousness from. A lack of oxygen. Fifteen seconds, Neil Armstrong might have lived in that environment without that suit. But, but look at what the suit was doing. The suit was enabling him to live in a place that he could not have lived. And what it was doing is it was providing an atmosphere in his life that the environment around him could not provide. It was providing him strength against pressures and that the atmosphere around him could not provide. It was oxygenating his blood and giving him the breath that he needed to breathe in order to live in a place like that. And because of his spacesuit, Neil Armstrong was able to reap the benefits of that harsh environment because he had a suit that brought the atmosphere that he needed with him. From a carnal, fearful perspective, Even a promised land can look like a place where you will never survive. But listen to this. The fact is that without God's presence going with the people of God, they never would survive such a place. They needed an atmosphere that the land didn't have. And so the Lord promised them that he would go with them because God never calls us To places and purposes where we do not need him. Why are we here? Why are we going through this right now? Why is the world around us seemingly losing its mind? Why are we in this place? Because there are promises in this place. There are things that God wants to do in this place. Where sin does abound, grace does much more abound. We were sent here because God has a purpose and a design for this place. But we need an atmosphere in our life that our environment cannot provide. And and if it's all right, we'll just get honest for a few minutes tonight. We are living in perilous times for our faith. The Bible says that in the last days, perilous times shall come. And we are living in those days now. It's perilous times for our faith and walk with God. Here's why. Because we've had less church and less time gathering together in prayer in 2020 than at any other time in our lives. We've had less opportunity to gather together as the children of God. There is more to fear. So many issues that seem bigger than us right now. There are indeed giants in our land. But I'm sharing this message tonight because I believe that the key to surviving this place that we are in comes in what we are carrying with us. There are some things that we must take with us into this world that enable us to spiritually survive a place like this. In Galatians 5, 6, Paul tells us that we should walk in the Spirit, that we do not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Paul did not say that we should have momentary experiences with the Spirit or encounters with the Spirit or a one time experience of having been baptized and filled with the Spirit, not once a week feeling the fuzzies, but Paul tells the Galatian church that if you ought to resist the harsh environment of flesh and carnality around you, you have to learn to walk in the Spirit, to daily live in the Spirit. Uh, you, you have to find a way to bring An atmosphere that your environment doesn't have. And and you have to find a way to breathe in a place spiritually that is dead. And and listen to this. In Joshua chapter 3, when it came time for Israel to go into the promised land, God tells Joshua, gather the people and, and tell them that they are to follow the Ark of the Covenant into the land. Because, listen, the Ark of the Covenant was The manifest presence of God among His people. It was representative. A symbol of God's presence among His people. And and in Joshua 3, He commands the people. He says, as soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord being carried by the priests, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. Yet, there shall be a distance between you and it, about 2,000 cubits in length. And He says this, do not come near it in order that you may know the way that you shall go. He said, I want you to follow the ark so that you know where to go, so that you know how to walk, so that you know what to do, for you have not passed this way before. Joshua was saying to the people that we can't just run off into the promised land and do our own thing. It's a harsh Environment out there We can't just run uh, and, and, and follow after our own plan But we've got to follow the ark Because we've never been through this before We've never led through this before We've never worked through these issues before And, and listen The success and survival of Israel Was depending on their ability To follow after the presence of God They didn't know the way But God did And they would have made a wrong move if they hadn't let the Lord lead them. He was their counselor. He was their guide. He had led them through the wilderness. He he was the pillar uh, of fire by night and cloud by day. He was the God that was present with them. And when it came time to fight this harsh environment where the promises of God lay, God says to the people, you've got to follow the ark. You've got to. You've got to follow my presence. My spirit will be with you. He was their counselor. The New Testament uses the word counselor. That when the Spirit of Truth is come, he will be your counselor. He will not leave you without uh, comfort, but he will lead you and guide you into all truth. The Spirit is our Paraclete. He's our helper. He's the one who shows us how to live in an environment like this. Now, listen. There are two words for spirit. And the scripture that I want to show you right quick is the first is in Genesis 1 and 2 when the Bible says that the, the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. The earth was without form and void and the Spirit of God moves on the face of the water. The word spirit in the Hebrew is the word ruach, which means wind, breath, a violent exhale, or a blast of breath. It, what what the scripture is saying there is that God breathed His presence Over the waters. Then in the New Testament where uh, we see the word spirit. uh, God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. That word is pneuma. And the word pneuma uh, which is translated into the English word spirit means a current of air, a blast of breath, a strong breeze or spirit. God gave us his spirit. Because without him, we cannot breathe in this world. And so, Paul tells us that we need to walk in his spirit. I want you to get the mental picture of Neil Armstrong with that helmet and that suit on. Because there was a pack that was pushing air into his suit. He did, the environment didn't have the air that he needed, so he brought it with him. This is the example of a spirit-filled spirit filled Believer walking through a world That doesn't have the spirit of God But we bring with us what we need In order to reap the promises and the plan of God In a difficult place God gave us his spirit Because without him We cannot breathe in this world He is calling us in this day and hour To walk with him And to live in his presence God isn't just calling us to ritual prayer, but He is calling us to a place of communion with Him. What am I talking about? I'm talking about praying and worshiping in private until you feel His presence come over you. We find the strength not to give in to the pressure around us in His presence. In His presence is where our spirit can breathe, where our soul can come alive. Listen to what Joshua and Caleb said when Israel was afraid and did not want to go in. They said, if the Lord delights in us, Numbers 14 and 8, He will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their protection is removed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them their answer for the challenges of the land that lay before them was that God is with us, so we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to give in to the fear that is around us. We don't have to live in fear of these people that seem greater than us, these issues that seem bigger than us. Joshua and Caleb were fully aware that their success or failure had everything uh, to do with whether or not the presence of God was with them. They understood the hope for their families and their future was in having the presence of God with them. It was the spacesuit of the soul, the necessary atmosphere for a believer to live in the land of the giants. And here is where our issue is. Some of us are dying right now because we don't have enough church. Some of you are probably wishing, man, I, I, I want to feel a move of God like we felt before. COVID-19 and we couldn't have altar calls and we had to social distance at church. Man, I want to feel that. Here's what I'm telling you is it's, it's not about coming into the house of God once a week and catching your breath and then holding it and going back out into the world because you can't last long in a harsh environment if you don't take it with you. What I believe God is calling us to is finding a personal place of consecration and communion with God. Because the Bible says that he is as close as the mention of his name. What it takes is finding a place of communion and prayer where we learn to worship without a band and a praise team leading us there. Without a pastor exhorting us. And so that that we are living in the presence of God. That our environment may not have it. The world around us may not have it. But God has filled us with his spirit. And he is calling us to communion, to walk daily in his spirit so that we can breathe. And if we can breathe, we can get through what this world is throwing at us. If we can breathe, we can get through the walls that are in front of us. If we can breathe in this world, we can survive the environment around us. Moses understood this because in Exodus 33 in our text, God had offered Israel an interesting offer. He said, I will send my angel before you and you can have the land, but my presence will not go with you. And it's in this moment that Moses realizes that nothing is worth living for if God's presence isn't with us. Moses prays, Lord, if your presence doesn't go with us, do not carry us into the land. He says, not without your presence, God. Now listen, what if if God offered you answers without anointing? What if he offered you all the answers that you've been seeking, but you had no anointing in your life? What if he offered you all of the promises without his presence? What if he offered you the future you've always dreamed of without feeling him near? Moses had such an offer, and he says, no thanks, God. I don't want to go there without your presence. In this time, more than ever, we need to know how to have a move of the Spirit without relying on a church service, because you can find all the presence you need to survive in this world in your own personal prayer time. The world doesn't have it for you. It's a harsh environment for your faith. You've got to find a way to learn to have a move of the Spirit On your own. You've got to learn to bring it with you. If God's presence is with me, listen, I can overcome. If God's presence is with me, Joshua and Caleb said, do not fear. The Lord is with us. If His presence is with me, I I can make it. My family can survive this. My finances can survive this. Nothing the world throws at me can take me down. My faith can live because I'm taking the presence with me. How how do you live in the presence of God? Note this, that when Neil Armstrong stepped out of the uh, uh, Lunar Eagle, the, the landing module, and into space, he was in constant communication. With NASA in Houston, we, we remember the iconic line of the other Apollo 13 mission where he said, Houston, we have a problem. It's because even in that harsh environment, they maintain communication and connection. And and listen, that is the life I believe that God is calling us to Is some of us have forgotten our faith In the middle of all this We've gotten into the routine of of living life And and church is not as big a part of our life As it was six months ago And and there's not community groups And and there's not prayer meetings And the prayer rooms are closed And so we come into church and, And we have not breathed in a week But listen, we've got to learn to live In constant communication. The reason we know what Neil Armstrong said. Is because he was maintaining a connection with home base. And it didn't matter how far out into space he was. He had the atmosphere he needed. And the communication with the home source. That is the life that God is calling us to. The Bible says it this way. That we should pray without ceasing. He was days of Space flight away, but he was just a whisper away, still in close contact with home. God speaks to our spirit when we pray. And when we get down in the morning and we get into the word of God, God speaks things to our spirit. I want to suggest to you, don't just read the Bible to pass pages and to make check marks on your prayer uh, daily uh, our daily Bible reading list. But read the Bible until God speaks to you. Read the Bible until God opens up a word for you and gives you direction. Because you can live in this land. You can spiritually survive this place. You can reap the, the benefits of this adversity at this time. And I believe God has positioned us in a place where we can come out... As a powerful church, but we've got to learn to take the atmosphere that we need with us. The world doesn't have it, but God has it. And and God is able to fill up my heart, to fill up my life. Listen, He's given us everything that we need to survive in this land. We've got constant communication with the home base. And He can see what we can't see. And He knows what we do not know. And He is as close as the mention of His name. And so, don't go without communications. Pray without ceasing. Talk with God throughout your day. Read till God speaks and then pray and meditate until you get direction. Take a suit with you. Put on the full armor of God. What was Paul talking about wearing this suit of armor? He was saying every day we should... Put on the armor of God. We should put on the, the helmet of salvation which protects our thoughts. We should put on the breastplate of righteousness which protects our heart and our affections. We should put on the girdle of truth which enables us to, to reach our world with the truth and to share the gospel. We we should wear the shoes of the preparation of the gospel. We should remember and daily put on our mission, and our purpose in this world. We should lift up the shield of faith and carry the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. God has given us everything that we need to survive here, but we've got to take it with us. I encourage you, I'm challenging you, that before you get back to this place Sunday, spend your days creating an atmosphere that you can carry with you. Spend your days hearing from God. Learn. Put on worship music and learn to go into the Holy of Holies without a church or a band around. Learn to dig into the presence of God. Listen, you might just be driving down the road in your car, but I want to tell you some of the most profound moments with God I've ever had was alone in a car. You can have that atmosphere. You just have to learn to take it with you. And if you'll begin to worship God in your private life, personal place God will begin to breathe into your world all the breath that you need to live in this place that has become so harsh I just want you to bow your head and I want to pray over you and your family and over this church God right now I pray in the closing of this online Bible study God that you would touch each and every family that is watching God each and every heart that is hearing God I pray Lord God, that you would give us an understanding of how desperately we need to know how to have a move of the Spirit personally with you. How desperately we need to know what it is to hear your voice day in and day out. God, I pray, God, that you would just minister to somebody. Give somebody a desire to go into the deeper places of the Spirit, God. I pray, Lord, that you would stir up the gifts that you've given us And God, that you would let your word be loud. Let us live in the constant atmosphere of the presence of God. For Lord, you've given us promises in this time and in this place. But it's going to require us learning to take the presence of God with us wherever we go. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you again for watching tonight. May God richly bless you and your family. And we will see you here on Sunday. And I pray that you have a move of the Spirit in your personal life this week.